Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. for the cantata and Don Ruby, our choir director, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we ask for your spirit now to give us understanding and wisdom as we come to your word on this day, God, when we commemorate the day when everything changed. God, we pray that we would leave here today different because of how we have encountered you in your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. Nearly 2,000 years ago, the morning light revealed a vacated tomb. Jesus Christ had risen from the dead just as He promised. And the world would never be the same again. Now make no mistake, it was still a very dark world. In fact, it's still a very dark world today. Don't let the beauty of the morning fool you. This is a very dark time in human history. We can feel it in the air, can't we? The tension of our society as we await what could possibly happen next. We live in unprecedented times, but these are not uncertain times. Jesus told us in Matthew 24 that we would hear of wars and rumors of wars, and that when we do, we're not to be troubled. We're not to be living paralyzed in fear of World War III. For all these things must come to pass. But Jesus said the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Literally, ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of the birth pangs. The end is not yet, Jesus said. How can we, as Jesus commands us, not be troubled when we hear of wars and rumors of wars, when we hear of pestilences that sweep across not only cities and nations, but the entire world? How can we not be troubled by earthquakes in diverse places, by the political upheaval that is taken place and is taking place around the world, how can we not be afraid? It is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can have hope today. And I want to share with you some hope today from the book of First Peter. Now, on that resurrection morning, the first two men in the tomb, the empty tomb, were John 
And this man, Peter, who would go on by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pen this letter. John, we are told in the Gospel of John, when he came into the empty tomb, brought there by Mary Magdalene, he recognized the resurrection, and John tells us, I believed in that moment. And then John says, Peter and I went back home. I went back to tell my family, essentially, John says, what had happened, that Jesus had risen again. Peter, though, wondered in his heart. It wasn't until Jesus physically appeared to Peter and physically encountered Peter later that day that his life would forever be changed as his faith became sight and what he had not believed fully, he then believed completely. And Peter, unlike John, who was not martyred, the only one of the apostles who was not martyred, Peter would go on and be so convinced that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead that he could himself lay down his life as a martyr rather than deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to understand today that we are holding a book in our hand and many of these books in the New Testament were written by men. Most of them were written by men who died for what they believed about the resurrection. They weren't writing because they wanted to make a bestseller. They weren't writing because it was politically advantageous for them to make up these stories about a resurrected Savior. Who could believe that a man would rise from the dead? The people who saw him. The people who walked with him in his resurrected state. The people who talked with him. The people who were commissioned by him. And later the Apostle Paul, as one born out of season, would also on the Damascus road encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ. And these men endured literal, physical torture. Not just scorn, not just mockery, not just rejection, but they would lay down their lives as martyrs for their faith in the resurrection of the God-man, Jesus Christ. We serve a risen Savior today, and Peter in 2 Peter, wants to give us hope. Now, I told you to turn to chapter 3. I want you to turn back just one page for one moment to chapter 1. And I want to show you, to give you some context to chapter 3, what Peter tells us this book is all about. He says, Peter, verse 1 of chapter 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers, literally the uh, strangers scattered, literally the diaspora, the Jews who had been scattered by persecution across the Roman Empire, and he's specifically writing to those Jews who had come to faith in Jesus Christ throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who were the chosen, the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So he is specifically writing here to saved Jews in the first century who've had to leave and flee their home and are now enduring and facing persecution and opposition because of their faith in Jesus, often from their own 
families, often from their own countrymen, often from their own people, they are being persecuted and rejected because of their faith in Messiah Jesus Christ. Notice verse 3 though, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter said, you can face the opposition, you can face the persecution, you can stand in the darkness as the light because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I was in the tomb. I saw him. I spoke with him. I ate fish with him on that shore after the miraculous catch of fish. And John said, Peter, that's no ordinary man on the shore telling us to throw our nets on the other side. That's the Lord. And Peter jumped out of the boat and dragged that net in. He was with Jesus, recommissioned by Jesus. And he says, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have hope. Now, I want to share with you this morning for just a few minutes. Resurrection hope in a hostile world. And friend, the world is not getting any safer anytime soon. Not until the King of Kings, the resurrected King of Kings returns, will this world ever be a safe place. And in chapter 3, Peter turns our attention to the hope that we can have because of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to share with you four things that you need to do today to experience that hope. The first thing I would point your attention to in chapter 3 of 1 Peter is in verses 12 through 13. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is He that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Now, the first thing I would say is that you need to focus on the justice of Jesus Christ. Do you know that the only reason that you are able to be saved and able to experience the grace of God today is because of the justice of God? God in His justice had to judge and condemn sin. And so, because he wanted us not to perish, but to have everlasting life, God sent his own son into the world, and he, Jesus, who knew no sin, would become sin for us and would experience the full wrath of God the Father on that cross. The reason that Jesus was sweating drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane was not simply because he was going to die. He knew he was going to live again. It was not fear of death. It was the knowledge that in that moment he would have to endure. He who had perfect oneness and fellowship from all eternity with God the Father would experience the unfiltered wrath of God on himself. Why would he do that? 
Because he loves you. Because he loves you, he satisfied the justice of God. And Peter says, I want you to remember the justice of God. I want you to remember that God sees everything. God sees what is being done to you. God sees what is going on in your life. Those things you think you're getting away with, God sees. Those things that others think they're getting away with, what they're doing to you, what they're attempting to do to the church, God sees all of it. And Peter says, who can harm you if God is on your side? Now, he's not saying that they can't hurt us. He's not saying they can't persecute us. He's writing to a group of persecuted people. He himself is going to lay down his life as a martyr. But he's saying, all they can do, all they can do is harm my body. All they can do is kill me. You might be thinking that, and, and that a lot. <laughs> not if you're saved. Not if you have eternal life. Not if you're going to stand before the King of Kings someday. You know how many of our friends and family members, this is their first resurrection Sunday in heaven. You think any of them are wishing they'd have got one more sin in before they got there? Do you think any of them are regretting their faith? They are not. They are celebrating in a way that we cannot even really imagine and comprehend. I hath not seen. We can't even, Paul said, we can't even comprehend the glory that will be revealed in us, that's being revealed in them today. You need to focus on the justice of Christ. God sees everything that's happening in the world today, and he has promised our eternal deliverance if you know him if you know him focus on the justice the judge sees all Jesus said if you lay down your life for me you won't lose it I'll give it back to you you try to keep your life that's how you lose it men can only destroy our bodies but God has already promised us eternal life we need to focus on the ultimate authority let the IRS arm their agents all they want. All they can do is shoot us. All they can do is harm our bodies. All they can do is lock us up. But we have eternity promised to us because of His grace received by faith. If you've admitted you're a sinner, if you've recognized Jesus died for you and rose again, and that He is coming again, and you want to be right with Him, and you have called upon Him to forgive you of your sins, you are forgiven. And if you haven't done it yet, you need to do it right now. You need to call. Don't wait till the end of the message. He could come back before then. Call upon the name of the Lord. Admit you're a sinner. Believe he died for you. And he rose again. And call upon him as your Savior to forgive you of all your sins. And he will, as he has for so many of us. Focus on the justice of Christ this morning. Because all injustice is only temporary. We live in a society where increasingly our political system and our justice system is entirely compromised, almost so. And we say, where is the hope of justice? The judge is at the door. And make no mistake, everyone who abuses whatever power they have been given will give an account to the ultimate judge, Jesus Christ. He's able to be the judge. 
because he rose again. Look at verses 14 and 15. Focus on the justice of Christ and then be bold, knowing that he sees everything, knowing that he keeps all his promises. Be bold in your commitment to Christ. Verses 14 and 15 say, but if ye suffer for righteousness, yes, we may suffer. Yes, we may suffer for righteousness. We may pay a price. The church in America has for a very short time and a very unique time in the world and in history enjoyed a freedom from suffering, an unprecedented freedom. Those days are numbered. But know that if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Friend, the world is watching how we will react to opposition. The world is watching how you react, how quickly Christians will hide their faith rather than hurt their kids' feelings, their parents' feelings, their friends' feelings, and if that weren't bad enough, the people they work with. I don't want them to think I'm weird. We just shrivel up. The tomb is empty. What are you afraid of? The king we serve has conquered death. The king we serve has conquered sin. We serve a risen, victorious Savior. Be bold in your commitment to Jesus Christ. There are times when God will allow us to be persecuted as a witness and a testimony. I remember we heard the testimony a number of years ago now of a man who has a ministry in Canada but was in Altoona uh, sharing about his ministry, a former Muslim who had beaten a man next to death because of his faith in Jesus Christ. They went in, this is a man who had witnessed to him and he beat him up, and he witnessed to him and he beat him up, and he witnessed to him, and finally, the Muslims he was with said, if you want to prove your commitment to Allah, you need to murder him. And so he snuck in with some others, they snuck in to the dorm room of this Christian student and attempted to murder him, and the next morning realized that they had attacked the wrong man. And he said, what kind of God would have me assault someone and would allow me to physically incapacitate and cripple someone who wasn't even the right target? And he went back to this man who he had attempted to kill and he shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ and he rejected the demon, Allah, and he received the resurrected Jesus Christ as his Savior. And now he has a ministry in Canada to Muslims sharing with them the faith of Jesus Christ. You see, it's because of the bold commitment of that one college student. Through his testimony, this man became a believer and began an entire ministry leading other Muslims to faith in Jesus Christ. Be bold in your commitment. God will allow us 
to be persecuted and to go through some trials as a witness and as a testimony to others. Now, this term that Peter uses is a legal term. Be ready to give an answer. It means in a court of law, when you as an attorney present a case or a question, you need to do it civilly, logically, correctly. We need to be able to articulate our commitment to Christ. Every single Christian in here should be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. What is that hope? Peter told us in chapter 1, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is alive, I have hope. See, there was a time in my life when I was just a kid when I, I knew I was a sinner. Even as a kid, I knew that I lied. I knew I disobeyed my parents. I knew I had taken things that didn't belong to me. And even as a child, I knew I was a sinner. And I knew that I deserved hell. But I also knew because a Sunday school teacher shared with me, and we did call it Sunday school back then, Wilma. A Sunday school teacher shared with me that Jesus Christ paid for my sin on the cross and he rose again. And if I would just admit I needed forgiveness and called upon Jesus to be my Savior, that the resurrected Jesus would forgive me and save me. And I prayed to do that that Sunday morning and my life was forever changed. If you can't share that with someone, if you can't share how you became a Christian, do you really know that you are a Christian? If you can't articulate it, if you can't share what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian, as simple as ABC, do you really know it? Maybe today what you need to do is you need to examine yourself to see whether ye be in the faith, to test yourself as Paul commands in 2 Corinthians. Be bold in your commitment to Christ. We're not called to defend ourselves and be defensive and be rude and get frustrated, but we are called to present like a defense attorney our mission, our message, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My hope today is not in being a pastor, but being saved by grace through faith. Because apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, I would have no hope. And neither would you. But you do have hope. It's offered to you today. And maybe for some of us, we just need to be more clear-minded. And we need to get ready to present the gospel. Maybe you've been praying for somebody in your life. And you haven't been ready to provide the answer for the hope that lies within you. And you're like, God, I'll keep praying for them to get saved. I keep praying. And, God, and God is saying to you today, I've been waiting for you to get ready to be able to share it. Wherever you are today, let's remember the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and be bold in our commitment to Christ. Number three, if we're going to say it, we better live it. Maybe today is a day when you need to recommit yourself. It's a Resurrection Sunday. It's a great day to take stock and to recommit ourselves to the risen victorious King. Look at verses 16 and 17. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed 
and falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You speak the truth in love about sin, and the world will mock you. The world will say you're being judgmental. You're being bigoted. You're being prejudiced. No, I'm just telling what the Bible says is sin. I'm warning you, based on the authority of God's word, that if you continue unrepentant in this lifestyle, that God sees it and God is going to judge it. Parents, grandparents, I know you love your kids, I know you love your grandkids, and I know you want to stay in their life. But if you endorse and affirm abomination in their life, you are being cruel to them because you are pushing them towards the wrath of God. You might still be able to hug them and call them your baby. You may still have access to their life, but if you're not speaking God's truth to them and you are endorsing and encouraging perversion and abomination in their life, you are being selfish and cruel to them because God's judgment is coming. So let's live in obedience to Jesus Christ. Let what we say be evidenced by how we live, even if they mock it, even if they call us evil for doing what God says is right Cursed is, the, is they, is them. Cursed are them. Cursed are they. Where's my English gone? I don't know. Cursed are we if we call what God says is good and we call that evil. And what God says is evil, we call that good. Live in obedience to the resurrected Christ. And let me give you one more thing that I want to unpack before we go this morning. We're talking about the resurrection. I want you to focus on the victory of Jesus Christ. You want to have hope in a hostile world? Yeah, you need to focus on His justice. And yeah, you need to be bold in your commitment. And yeah, you need to live consistent with that commitment. But you, friend, you need to constantly remind yourself that Jesus Christ is alive. I tell you all the time, I'm going to tell you again, the cross reveals God's great love for us. No greater love is this than a man lay his life down for his friends. Jesus Christ on that cross, God so loved the world. The Father showed His love. The Son showed His love in that moment, dying a brutal death, undeserved, as a substitute for you and for me. The cross shows the love of God. The empty tomb shows the power of God. Jesus Christ conquered sin. Jesus Christ conquered death. Jesus Christ conquered the grave. And if I know he's that powerful and he loves me that much, why do I got to be afraid of? So I need to focus on the victory. Listen to how Peter says it here in chapter uh, 3, verses 18 through 22. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened 
by the Spirit, by which also by the Spirit he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls saved. The King James says by, but the Greek from water, through water. Verse 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, not the water. The water's not what saves us, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now listen, Jesus Christ is the eternal God. When Isaiah had his vision, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, the train of his, of his robe filling the temple. John, in the Gospel of John, tells us that was Jesus Christ he saw on the throne. But now Jesus Christ rules heaven's throne not as just God, but as the God-man. As the God-man, King of heaven and of earth. Angels subject to him. Let me give you four more. One, two, three, four. Let me give you five things very quickly before we go. I'm going to cover these very quickly. Number one, resurrection hope is seen in Christ's sacrifice. It's seen in Christ's sacrifice. Peter says, this is why Jesus died. To enable us to be one with God. Peter, throughout this epistle, this short epistle, repeatedly alludes to or emphasizes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, the theme is Christ-like obedience in suffering. And we must, as we endure our suffering, remember His suffering for us. How much He suffered for me and for you to pay my sin debt and the sin debt of all mankind, thereby allowing us to be reconciled to the Father. Jesus said, I am now the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You do not have a relationship with God apart from faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as your Savior for your forgiveness of sins. That's why you need to repent of your sin as Jesus commanded after His resurrection, on that resurrection Sunday in Luke 24, that we preach repentance and forgiveness of sins. If you don't know you need Him as a Savior to save you from your sin, then you can't call Him Savior because that's what He came to save you from. His sacrifice gives us hope. Notice too, though, it's His stirring that gives us hope. His resurrection. How did Jesus rise? Well, He could have risen in His own power. And yes, there is a sense in which he himself took up his life in the, in the sense of the Trinity rising him from the dead. But he willfully submitted to the Holy Spirit's quickening. And why does that matter? He did it as an example for us. Even in his resurrection, he was showing us our dependence on the Holy Spirit. Paul would say in Romans 8.11, if the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, does he live in you? If he lives in you, if you know Jesus as your Savior and he lives in you, and Romans 8 says if you don't have the Spirit, you don't know Jesus. If he lives in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies. He'll enable me to live in obedience today, and he assures my resurrection. If I don't make it to the rapture, 
And every Easter, I wonder, is this the last one here? Is this the last one we celebrate? Is this the year? Maybe it is. I think it may be. But I may be wrong. I was wrong last year and the year before and the year before the year before. Whether I make it to the rapture or not, I will be part of the rapture. I may be coming down or I may be going up, but either way, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. His stirring gives me hope. Number three, his sermon. We're going to talk about this next Sunday. I'm going to come back. It's a little teaser for next Sunday. We're going to talk about these spirits in prison next Sunday that Jesus went and preached to. But let me just tell you for right now that this was not an evangelistic message. This was the pronouncement of their defeat and of his victory. The Greek that Peter uses indicates this sermon was not an appeal. It wasn't Jesus going back into the past to try to give somebody a second chance. That's not what was happening. Jesus was going to a specific group of spirits that are imprisoned right now, not forever, but for now, in hell, and he went and he told them, you lost. I won. I got your keys. I got the keys, Hades. I got the keys, death. Revelation chapter 1, I hold the keys of death in Hades. I, got your, I came and took your keys. You are defeated. And because the demons are defeated, because the prince of this world is condemned and defeated, why do I have to be afraid of him? I don't. I don't have to be afraid of the devil. I wrestle with principalities and powers, and so do you. I don't have to be afraid of him because my king conquered them, and he made a public spectacle of them on the cross, and then he went and he told some of them about it. He's a, Jesus is a trash talker whether you like it or not. And notice also his symbol. Now, again, this is, I'm going to cover this quickly because I cover this every time we do a baptism. But the Apostle Peter reminds us of the symbolism of baptism and he compares it to the flood of Noah. Judgment's coming as certain as the floodwaters came. I know you can mock it, you can ignore it. That's what everybody did when Noah preached too. Everybody, yeah, right, never rained. You think the world's going to flood? It did. The evidence is all around us. I mean, I know scientists, 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 pseudoscientists, we've got Fossils of fish on mountaintops, but they deny that those mountains were ever underwater. How'd the fish get there, guys? The whole world was destroyed by a flood. The whole world's going to be destroyed again. Judgment is coming again. But we have, just as the ark was symbolic of Jesus, so also baptism is symbolic. It's a symbol. What does it picture? It pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When I baptize someone, I'll ask, uh, have, I'll ask something like this. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And if they say yes, then we keep going. And I say, based on your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, my sister, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection to walk in in newness of life. That comes from Galatians chapter 2. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. Baptism is a picture. See, Noah wasn't saved by the water. He was saved by the ark from the water. 
And so also, we're not saved by the baptismal waters, but it's a picture of our faith that we place in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our forgiveness, for our salvation, for our eternal life. It's, as Peter says, the confession of a clear conscience. By the way, Christian, if you're saved and you've never been baptized, you're disobedient. You talk to me after the service, talk to one of our deacons, you need to get baptized because it is a picture of salvation. It is the way God wants you to witness to the world that you are now alive in Christ. You are now a new creation. It's a living picture of the faith we have in Christ. And let me close with this. Why else do we have hope today in the midst of the darkness? In the midst of a society spiraling down the toilet hole? How do I have hope in the midst of that? Because this world is not my home. I'm proud to be an American. But I'm not more proud to be an American than I am a Christian. I'm not more proud to be part of this. I'm, I'm here as an ambassador for Jesus Christ to the tri-state area in the United States. That's why I am here. I'm an ambassador for Christ here. But my kingdom is with Him. Colossians chapter 1, Paul says that the Father has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into, from the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of His Son, the kingdom of light. I'm a citizen of light. I'm just passing through this world. My home is with Him. And Peter ends the chapter like this, and we're going to end this message like this in verse 22. Verse 21 says, By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who, verse 22, is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Satan may be the God of this age, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, but His kingdom is crumbling and it is coming to a sudden end soon and very soon. He knows His time is short. That's why He's amping things up the way He is. The King of Kings is coming again. And when he returns, make no mistake, he will crush the head of the serpent. He will crush his head. That's why I have hope today. Because Jesus Christ, all Satan could do was put him in the ground three days and three nights. And even there he was victorious, preaching his victory to the spirits in prison. And now he's resurrected and he's coming again. Are you ready for him? Are you ready? Let's close in, in, in bowing in prayer, Father. You are alive. Your son is alive, Father. And he's coming again. And Father, it's the hope of his resurrection that gives us hope. But Father, if there's somebody here today, what a day to first, for, for the first time ever to experience that hope. Resurrection Sunday. Father, I pray if there's somebody here today, they don't have that hope yet, that they leave here with that hope today, that they will admit their sin, that they will believe that Jesus, your only begotten son, lived the sinless life that they cannot live, died in their place for their sin, rose victoriously from the dead, and they can be forgiven. All they need to do is admit they need forgiveness and admit that you're the Savior, Jesus, and you'll forgive them and you'll come right now and save them. God, I pray there's someone in here 
right now making that decision. They'll come forward and tell us about it. And Father, I pray if there's somebody here today, they've made that decision, but they haven't been living like it. I pray this is the day when they recognize they've been putting their hope where it doesn't need to be and they've forgotten the hope that you've given them. And they'll be re-energized in their commitment and their obedience and their willingness to share the hope of Jesus Christ with the world around them. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close with a hymn of invitation? This is a song the choir just sang to us. Now we're going to sing it to the Lord. Let's sing it together. If you have a need, the altar is open. Our deacons are here. Our deacons' wives are available. If you have a need, a decision to make, don't leave here before you've made it. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. service if you have a need. I've got a sinus infection. I'm, it's clearing up. Don't let, I'm not contagious. Don't let the sound of my voice scare you away. I'd be happy to talk with you, pray with you if you have a need. Remember, no service tonight. But I just implore you before we close in prayer, don't leave here tonight with unfinished business with God. Don't leave here today. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we praise you again, your great love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet your enemies, God, you sent Jesus Christ to die for us, to pay the sin debt of all mankind. Father, may we be more and more faithful, 
more and more bold in lovingly sharing the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ with those around us. And Father, again, I just ask your spirit, if there's somebody here who has a decision to make, that you would, God, so provoke them right now that they would not leave here today before they've put their faith and trust in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of their sin. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday or next Sunday. You are dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful. Thank you.